Rochester Today with Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Good morning. Well, Thursday morning. It's Rochester Today. And Tom Ostrom is with us. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, Andy. What's in the mailbag today? Uh, Babylon B. <laughs> Satire. <laughs> East Palestine, Ohio, sees a real estate surge from Californians, New Yorkers, and Chicago moving there for a better quality of life. Oh. <laughs> 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 and then <laughs> the things they think of, God. And then from KLS, isn't it amazing what the Minnesota legislature is doing, turning Minnesota law by law into a cold California? Is Timmy the governor, like Greasy Gavin in California, planning a run for the presidency? <laughs> so good. <laughs> and then the media finally admitting Wuhan China virus lab leak uh, and Rose said I can't believe it even liberal media is beginning to question previous truths and accounts and Biden issues a distraction or dump Biden movement before 2024 and then Jerry <clears throat> Uh, he likes to study complex things in detail, uh, like you do, Andy. He said this, the House needs to work on voter registration fraud and and uh, and uh, cure these problems that people are afraid to talk about or we're not going to win any more elections. 31 states are working to cleanse voter uh, lists, dead voters on those lists. Blue states insist there are no problems. The GOP House must do it. Courts must do it. The Democrat Senate won't. But it's up to state legislatures. Uh, they're supposed to manage elections. Uh, and some of them let their jurisdictions go out of their control. Last time, uh, states uh, have to use their authority. Secretaries of state have to get serious. Uh, states need to have paper ballots uh, better controlled and uncompromised. Uh, uh, maybe no more mail-in ballots, uh, except the most valid reasons. Uh, but uh, the, the GOP just has to get on top of this. That's the mailbag. All right. Well, you notice the, those reforms you're talking about are taking place in states that are red states. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it really won't have much of an impact on <laughs> future elections, seeing as that they're already red states. Um, yeah, and I don't think the absentee voting thing is going away. I, I, I think that you saw the numbers of people using that for convenience, not necessity. In the past, it used to be necessity. You're out of the country, uh, you were in the hospital, you knew you were going to be on a business trip, whatever it may be. But uh, now it is just um, a choice to be uh, an easier way to cast a ballot. And I think a lot of Americans like that option so i don't think it's going to go away yeah yeah it has to be controlled somehow and i guess military ballots have really been discriminated against for various reasons but uh it it just has to be controlled the drop boxes and uh and gathering ballots where one person has several that they're depositing yeah it's uh sad stuff but anyway Um, 
I did have I did have one mailbag. Uh, it was uh, one of our listeners commenting on a discussion we had last week uh, concerning the Mayo Clinic's annual report about their finances. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they had an interesting observation as a longtime Rochesterite that uh, they were remembering back when they came to the city in the 1970s and the population on the census sign as you came into town at that time read less than 50,000. If I remember right, it was 49,000 and some number. And if you look at that now, that the Mayo Clinic now employs nearly that number in Rochester right now, 42,000. My God. And our listener also remembered that back in the day when he was referring to the 1970s, uh, the Mayo Clinic was not the dominant employer in Rochester. It was IBM. IBM, yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's so all how things, yeah. Go ahead. How, th- how things have changed, yeah. Yeah, and and that's true. When I moved here, it was about 50,000. Uh, that's right, and IBM was king, yeah. I'm glad that your our listener uh, reminisced about that. Because that is... That is 50 years ago, too, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my gosh. Yeah, my gosh is right. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. More of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Martin Hoke, the inventor of Navage Nasal Care. and With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. More of Rochester Today with Tom Ostrom. I'm Andy Brownell. And Tom, what's in the Minnesota local file today? Uh, a Minnesota bill uh, going through the legislature requiring public school grads to complete an ethnic studies uh, curriculum take uh, uh, almost a year uh, of it. It'll start 2025, 26 uh, to complete. Uh, uh, you know, it's about well, it's at least a semester studies course. Uh, long uh, might be longer. And to graduate, they have to do it and study ethnicity and race and everything else and people of color and uh, fight endemic racism and uh, hire. They got the schools then have to hire ethnic uh, studies staff and critics say this is just a. It's not academic. You got students with problems in math and other things and test scores down and and here more time spent on this stuff and hiring more people to carry it out it's uh um, the woke people are happy and uh traditionalists are are just uh, frustrated why why can't the why can't this be incorporated into the current curriculum uh within history u.s history um Try to place a little bit more emphasis on the contributions of other of other cultures within the United States, whether it be the American Indian or uh, our black um, citizens, their ancestors uh, during and after slavery. Um, there's so many stories that could be told. Literature, you right. could uh, you could spend time highlighting some. I'll I'll tell you why. They want the bad emphasized. America's bad. They should be emphasizing our Asian citizens who are high productivity, strong values people, uh, uh, academic achievement, superiority. They don't want to mention that. The, the Asians are, are the enemy because they're so successful. Uh, they want the story to be bad. 
uh, and, and nothing good, I think. Plus, they want more bureaucrats uh, to be hired. But uh, you're right. It should be. They don't trust the teachers to teach it right unless they have absolute control of the subject matter, Andy. That's my idea. Well, that I, I could buy into that idea. But I, I have no problem with telling the bad side of the story as well. The mistakes yeah. that have been made and the... Uh, injustices that have been done to certain people over time either. That's that's part of the American story as well. And the success of the ethnic groups. But I think these people don't want successful America to be portrayed. It's how bad we are. And uh, I, I think they want to control it. But uh, there are better ways to do it. I agree with you. And this is being resisted, by the way. Um, I, I have no idea what the teachers' union has said about it, but I do know that the Minnesota School Boards Association and school administrators have resisted this. They have. Wow. Well, I think I think in large part because they already have their plates full. They have so many things that are happening as far as these changes in school graduation standards and everything else that to throw this into the mix, it would be a, a budgetary and... Um, management nightmare for them i believe that's right and the curricular the curriculum has to be devised you're right and then related uh new ideological litmus tests will increase teacher shortages experts say and critics say they say that uh, again the ideological uh, woke uh, stuff that's being introduced in the curriculum is quote unacademic and it exacerbates uh, one one analyst said it'll exacerbate the teacher shortage it already has uh, what teachers want to go into the mix and, and be accused of all kinds of things uh, if they don't do what the bureaucrats uh, think should be done. Uh, there's no diversity of thought. It's, it's ideological brainwashing, said some critics, and uh, it'll affect hiring. It'll affect evaluations. Uh, uh, who, who, what people want to step into that stuff uh, in the classroom. So, And then one more. That's minister. a good point. Yeah, and one more Minnesota uh, thing. Minnesota Democrats want to ban bottled water. Yes, I heard. And and uh, and then find people who use it or buy it or sell it. Uh, I guess the problem is the plastic containers. Yes. But my gosh. It's pretty darn healthy. I used to laugh at people dumb enough to buy bottled water when they out of their tap. But now I'm getting so if I'm out, I buy it because, doggone it, it's a good way, a healthy way to drink water. Well, I, I think this is an example of shooting yourself in the foot. Um, as far as the demographics are concerned, <laughs> the largest consumers of this bottled water product are the younger people. This has become a staple for them. Is uh-huh. I, I, I'm with you. I, I'll drink it right out of the tap, and I drink quite a bit of water right out of the tap. Doesn't? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you can taste all this stuff. I go, yeah, not really. It tastes like water. And, <laughs> and the majority, majority of these bottled water products are tap water put into a plastic bottle. I think it's, yeah. I think. Well, but when you're out and about, the convenience of it, I get it. It's it's a wonderful way to transport it and carry yeah. it. But uh, among among the younger people, I, I know a lot of them just won't drink water out of the tap. Uh-huh. They'll go. I mean, you could have the tap right there and the fridge right there, and they're going to pull the bottle of water out of the fridge rather than go to the tap. Yeah. yeah. And I think they're going to get some resistance on that one from the very same people that likely voted for them in the first place. Oh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Do you have anything else in Minnesota news? Okay, well, yes, if we have time, the, there's a DFL bill that would require climate justice instructions in, in Minnesota schools. Uh, the bill said uh, this will view the effects of climate change interconnected with uh, oppression and racism and connecting climate to social and economic justice issues. Uh, that is just ridiculous. Uh, among the subjects I taught at Rochester Community College was geography, and I made half of it uh, physical geography, earth science, and I made half of it the culture studies, uh, language, religion, other things. But it's, uh, you know, I, th- I thought, why not have these people study weather and climate from a scientific perspective and learn something about that, and then they can come to conclusions. These clowns know nothing about meteorology. They know nothing about the difference between climate and weather. They're just studying the politics of this stuff. That's not even science. Well, I think the title of it is Climate Justice Instruction. I think that is very telling, Tom, because I think it's more about the uh, distribution of wealth on our planet and the distribution of resources and... uh, and what to do about that imbalance. I think that's about what this is really about. Uh, not sure. so much the climate part of it or sure. global yeah. warming part of it, but that, because I, I, I think there's many scientists who agree that this question of climate change and what to do about it has morphed into not a scientific discussion, but a ideological discussion. Sure. And, economic sure. system discussion sure and peer group pressure makes them reluctant to criticize the baloney and then uh the the liberals are in charge of funding so if they want funding they'll have to teach the right thing yeah every every discipline is becoming woke but i say teach weather and climate and make it scientific and have somebody learn something and then they can come to conclusion <laughs> i'm not going to argue with that point Tom. that's for sure uh this morning, the uh, the Blois Olson newsletter, I guess it wasn't this morning, it was yesterday. No, it was this morning. came out uh, with some criticism of the Minnesota DFL over a fundraiser that is planned that is coming up that uh, they're, I guess it's raising some eyebrows, according to Blois Olson. There's a uh, DFL state party fundraiser. That's taking place at a hotel up there in St. Paul that will have buses running between the state capitol and the event. And it highlights Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, House Speaker Melissa Hortman, and uh, Majority Leader uh, Gary Diesick. And the invitation, according to Bloss, was sent out to lobbyists asking them to be hosts. And there's some questions as to whether it meets the spirit of the law. The campaign finance board handbook, according to Blois, says that political units of the legislature cannot solicit funds during the legislative session, but it's not clear when it comes to state parties. And this is directly meant to raise money for the state parties and makes it clear that it's not meant to raise money for the lawmakers themselves or their caucuses mm-hmm. but this would be money being donated by lobbyist groups and PACs and to have the appearances of the elected officials at the fundraiser while the session is in sec 
while the legislature is in session, um, is certainly murky, I guess might be the right word, as far as campaign finances are concerned. So it'll be interesting to see if they go through with this, if it turns into some severe criticism of them mm-hmm. or not. But it uh, already is raising some eyebrows up there at the state capitol. Mm. Well explained, Andrew. Interesting. Well, I didn't do the explaining. I'll give uh, Blois Olson credit for that. He does a good job of watching things in St. Paul. He puts out a newsletter that anybody can sign up for. It's usually pretty interesting if you want to keep track of things. Uh-huh. But then again, I think he is a lobbyist himself. So, <laughs> uh, Well, uh, very knowledgeable and uh, seemingly objective. All right. Uh, we'll take a break. And we'll return after the news break with more of Rochester Today. Tom's here. I'm Andy Brownell. And we'll be back on News Talk 1340, KROC AM and 96.9 FM. I'm Andy Brownell with Tom Ostrom. And, boy, there's a lot of stuff to discuss. So what do you want to cover first, Tom? Well, uh, legal immigrants, which uh, I think uh, have to be emphasized, doing it the right way. But a lot of them can't even get into the country because of the illegal uh, flow. But here's something. A North Korean defector shows her picture. She's bright. She's attractive. And she came to America. And she's shocked. She went to Columbia University to get a good education. And she said, when I started, uh, her name is uh, Yuanmi Park. Yuanmi Park. And she said, when I started university at the Columbia University, I couldn't believe it. Those professors are saying the same things that my North Korean teachers propaganda us with that I left Korea to get away from. Uh, they're, 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 they, I had no idea that this free country was having these kinds of people educate children. They were saying uh, what the North Korean uh, uh, ideologues say and uh, teach us. She, she was a defector. Uh, and what they say is America is bad. Greedy capitalism is the cause of the of the global problems western civilization and the white men are are in decline and should be and she said that's what my north korean uh, teachers taught me the evils of the usa of white people of capitalism and and she said we we had to learn what you call critical race theory she's very articulate and very well informed uh, and uh, she said, uh, it's, it's, it's just uh, very disappointing to me, uh, what I'm getting or not getting in higher education. And a Columbia professor, she said, said the only solution to these problems is the communist revolution. We need to dismantle our system in the name of equity. And she said, I, I'm, I'm just, uh, overwhelmed. <laughs> that uh, reminds me of an article I read recently that was a rebuttal to, the New York Times, is it the 1619 Project? Is that what it was called? Yes. Um, and it was it was basically pointing out that the 1619 Project blamed a lot of the missteps uh, that led to the injustices against black citizens uh, on capitalism. And it was a point-by-point discussion uh, that was rebutting that by pointing out that it wasn't the capitalist system that produced these flaws. It was actually government intervention in the marketplace that caused these things to happen that led to 
uh, the domination of slavery in the South and uh, Jim Crow laws and mm. not mm. a free market system. I thought it was an interesting argument. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm, sure, uh, I'm sure it angered some people, but it was an interesting argument. That's right. And our politicians really don't know much American history. They demonize it and want to um, modify it. But they don't really know the the depth. Uh, and the example you just gave uh, is another example. Uh, the a Democrat House member wants to remove a historic statue in Washington D.C. because the person was a racist and uh, and owned slaves, and uh, and uh, we don't want him representing our nation. While well, that person is Andrew Jackson. Uh, and his statue is across from the White House in Lafayette Park, and he did own slaves, uh, and he did fight as a, as a military officer against indigenous people. Uh, uh, the Trail of Tears. Part of yeah, that, right. That's part of the uh, history uh, of it. Uh, but uh, they want to remove him, and he's the founder of the Democrat Party. He's the founder, Andrew Jackson, and he saved the nation. When the British invaded us a second time, they invaded us in the Revolutionary War and they invaded us in the War of 1812. Uh, uh, they, they attacked Washington, D.C. They attacked up the Mississippi toward New Orleans and Andrew Jackson, a military officer, then defeated them. So uh, Democrats may not know these things. They just think his statue should be taken away, the founder of their party. I I didn't I forgot I guess because I've been to Lafayette but that, that's a little bit ironic that his statue is in Lafayette Park which is central station for every protest that takes place in front of the White House. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's virtually a camp all of the time for various protest groups. Yes, uh huh. Well, I mean he he certainly uh, his his history with our country is certainly mixed. Yeah, right. But you know what else about him? Yeah, he fought Indians. That was his job. Uh, he had in uniform uh, uh, as much as we might uh, take the Indian side of things in retrospect. Uh, but you know what he did? In one of the battles of killing Indians, he found two infants on the battlefield, Indian infants, and he adopted both of them. So that's mixed, too. Yeah, as you always point out, history is complicated. Yep. That's why it needs to be taught. Yep. Uh, and taught in a objective way. Of course, that's a pretty hard subject to teach objectively, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. uh -huh. But when I taught it, I tried to give all sides, and I still do in my history lecture, and then I give what I think. But I try to give all sides, and uh, it's hard to do that and hard to learn that. But yeah, yeah history is difficult to teach nowadays. Um, one topic I wanted to bring up was the primary election that happened in Chicago. Were you caught at all by surprise with the results that the sitting mayor is out of the race for the first, like the first time in over 50 years that an incumbent Chicago mayor has been booted out in the primary election? I was pleasantly surprised. Um, 
I'm wondering when the people who live in the woke states to quit running from those states uh, but and start reforming those states. It uh, looks like this might be happening in Chicago. I was pleasantly surprised, yes. So the two candidates that survived, one of them basically espouses the same views as the current mayor, but the other is more of a moderate Democrat who ran on a get-tough-on-crime platform so it'll be interesting to see which one of those two candidates prevails in the end yes well she blamed her loss on the fact that she was a black woman she did yes she was very feisty in her concession speech that's for sure all right tom we've got about a minute or two left before we have to take a break anything else you want to cover quickly well, again, that January 6th riot in Washington, D.C., and I've mentioned Ray Epps, and I've been re- mentioning him for a couple of years. You have, yes. Well, now with the release of some January 6th videos, we see Ray again, and he is hurling a giant Trump sign at police and knocking some of them down, but he was never arrested. He wasn't held accountable, and the people around him who touched that sign and passed it on, most of them have been arrested, but not him. He's safe on his ranch, and people are saying that's another example of the infiltration of federal uh, uh, people to exacerbate that uh, January 6th incident. Was the, I have not seen this tape. Was this tape part of the stuff that was leaked to Tucker Carlson, or not leaked, but released to Tucker Carlson? Uh, I'm not sure. It says okay. a new video of Ray A. Uh, Epps hurling a giant Trump sign at police on January 6th, but was never arrested like other Trump supporters were. Uh, and uh, uh, let's see, the giant Trump sign. I, I it, As I read it, I don't know that there was a, a connection to that or not. Uh, uh, where that where that uh, come for, came from? Uh, it's a long, complicated article. Uh, uh, people can uh, go after. It came from the Gateway pundit. Jim Hoft was the reporter. H O F T. Uh, people can uh, uh, Google that and see if the uh, details uh, uh, illuminate your. All right. I don't watch Tucker Carlson, so it'll take be another pathway to find out what's in those yeah. documents and emails and everything else or it doesn't say transcripts the, of the proceedings and all that that were released video that's been released and that's all i can say okay one more item before the news or before the break we already did the news but we I have an upcoming break andrew i have nothing more to say about minnesota well this is not minnesota anymore tom but we got to transfer Transfer to our last segment of the hour here. I'm, I'm, I'm out of it today. <laughs> news. How about that? You're forgiven. I can take the break. We'll do that. We'll come back in a moment and oh, regroup. I do have something else. I do oh, have okay. Uh, that that uh, that Arizona rancher. Uh, the charges have been reduced uh, uh, on him uh, because uh, a former border patrol. I don't have the article with me. I must have thrown it away. I'll have to add well, I remember it. you were talking about this previously, that this rancher was being charged with murder because yeah. he opened fire on some armed men on his ranch. Yeah, and killed one. And, and, a, and a retired border uh, administrator said, 
those people were dangerous. They had guns. That's a that's a trail that is filled with those kind of people, and and uh, and and the danger of those people has been illuminated. So prosecutors have reduced the charges against him, uh, and. Uh, a fund has been raised to make that million dollar bail uh, reached and so he's been released but more evidence about what went on there has gotten his charges reduced okay now we'll take the break yeah back in a moment more rochester today coming up on new stock 1340 caro am and 96.9 fm are you drowning in IRS tax? With Andy Brownell and Tom Ostrom on News Talk 1340 KROC AM and 96.9 FM. Welcome back. Rochester Today. Uh, I'm Andy Brownell. Tom's here as well. Tom Ostrom. On the international front, Tom, I had read this morning that um, there's evidence of the enrichment process of uranium by the Iranians has reached a level that is nearly weapons grade. That's the latest intelligence. So there's a lot of concern that the Iranian nuclear program may be on the cusp of actually being able to build an actual weapon. Mm. And the European bloc of France, Germany, and Great Britain uh, want to publicly censure the Iranians as a, I, I don't even know what that would, what impact that would have. I would think it would have zero impact on the Iranians, but it would <laughs> give public notice that that's a, I don't know. But, uh, weirdly enough, I guess maybe not weirdly enough, uh, Biden is resisting this measure to publicly call out the Iranians for, hmm. in essence, violating what previously had been the treaty and has, during while their negotiations are on for, uh, a replacement of that treaty. So, I, I don't. I guess I don't understand what this administration is doing with Iran. I don't either. But they're catered to our enemies, uh, criticize our allies. But I'll take a guess on your on your point. I think Biden's trying to protect President Obama's policy of reaching out to Iran and thinking that the money we sent will modify them, and if we cater to them a little bit, they'll they'll become more uh, civil. Because in the history of the world, that has really worked out well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, I don't understand it either. The State Department is warning U.S. citizens to stay out of Mexico. The, the crime rates in their various uh, provinces, uh, uh, Americans have been attacked and even killed. And uh, all regions in Mexico are on watch by the U.S. government. But the State Department warns that even resort towns are dangerous because cartels have established ties with local businesses. And uh, and they give examples of Americans who've been killed. And so that's really sad about uh, the crime in Mexico and the dangers uh, to Mexicans and to law enforcement people, politicians and, and now tourists, Sandy. Yeah, that's just uh, we're at spring break time almost, yeah, if not right. already. So a lot of young people are probably headed down to Mexico for their spring break. That's right. And Monica Showalter, that who had this article in the American Thinker, said the cartels know that Joe Biden won't protect Americans through their own border, so they're pretty certain that he won't do uh, anything uh, if they shake down visiting Americans uh, for what they have or kidnap them for, for ransom or simply beat them to death as, as, as has happened. 
And uh, that's a high price to pay for the open borders. Along those same lines, before we move on, and this is going to be foggy in my memory, but I don't know if it was the FBI director or if it was somebody else in the Justice Department that just this week blamed um, the Mexican cartels for the fentanyl crisis in the United States, which is probably an accurate thing to say. But the critics of the statement were also quick to point out that the cartels would not be able to push the product so easily into the United States if the border was protected. Now, others will say, no, this is being brought in by ships and airplanes and everything else. Well, sure, it's also being brought across the border at at the same time. But um, it was an interesting uh, argument that was going back and forth over this particular statement. And I probably shouldn't have brought it up because I didn't have enough information with me. (laughs) (laughs) Canada has told New York uh, City Mayor Eric Addison uh, Adams to immediately stop sending illegal aliens from New York City into Canada more of that uh, not in my backyard see the the nation and other nations were quiet when the uh, migrants came into the southwest part of our country and overwhelmed those states but now uh, other parts of our nation are getting overwhelmed, and our native Canada uh, neighbor uh, is too. So Canada says, quit sending us these illegals. <laughs> Weren't you, you pointed out earlier that some of the people who had made that journey from the south into the United States and then into Canada are headed back to the south because it's too cold in Canada. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, Japan uh, has had an interesting history with nuclear weapons from World War II to the, uh, uh, to some of the accidents that have happened at their nuclear plants. But, you know, Japan has a geography that is similar to the U.S. North and South. Uh, the North has humid continental winters like Minnesota does, and the South is tropical and subtropical, but they got a lot of climate and weather complexities there and uh, for decades uh, Japan used nuclear power uh, but uh, then with accidents they cut it out but now they're going back to it faced with rising oil prices Japan is returning to nuclear power resurrecting old plants building new plants extending the lifespans of uh, their old reactors and uh, and the reality is that 32 countries around the world generate their electricity with nuclear reactors so um, and the japanese are usually meticulous and very scientific so this should work out but uh, i think it's another block to the green movement well some would argue that the push towards nuclear the next generation nuclear reactors is part of the green movement although resisted by large factions of the green movement yeah as part of the solution to all this but we have to we have to run, Tom. The clock says so. So Okay. You have a great weekend and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Right, Andy. Thank you. I appreciate it, Tom. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. You he too. Is Tom Ostrom, I'm Andy Brownell. It's Rochester today on News Talk thirteen forty K R O C A M and ninety six nine FM. This is the Golden Gopher Daily Update. I'm Mike.